The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good evening, Chris. Good evening, Mike. Uh, we are here on this glorious Monday evening, the last day of February, which means one really important thing, maybe two really important things. Okay, maybe three really important things. I don't know. One, Deadline winter is almost broken. over. Oh, winter, yes. I almost forgot about winter. Two, Frozen 4 is around the corner. Yay. And three, close enough to taste it, the NHL trade deadline. Is that like a two weeks away, week and a half away? When is the deadline? Is I that the end of the month? I believe it's March 11th, like that next. And yet we still haven't heard any crazy deals happening yet. Hmm. I mean, I honestly expected to see another major deal right after the uh, Toffoli deal. So far, Toffoli being the only piece to fall, and he goes wait, to wait, Calgary. Wait, wait. Don Sweeney's amazing franchise resetting move doesn't count? Are you insane? I, not for anything. I can't even remember the guy's name. See, that's that's a it's, personal failing on your part. It's like Mike Mc, It's like shame. Mike Callahan or McClanahan or Shame Shame Shame. Well, inform me, what is his name? It is Michael Callahan. It is, is Callahan, see. He is a scion of the great state of Maine playing college right now. Ah. Right now. March twenty first, three PM Eastern Time. We finally find out what these teams are going to look like, minus injuries and call-ups and black aces, for the playoffs. Speaking the teams of, that will be making the playoffs. Speaking and, of injuries. And, and, and we'll talk about all that later. The late-night games. No, I just – real quick, Jack was talking during – was it the Seattle game? Uh, Jack Edwards being the voice of the Bruins here in Boston. Mm-hmm. And he made some comment about um, Mark Stone of the Vegas Golden Knights and how he's currently out with an injury. And magically, he's ready. He's going to be ready to come back to hockey just after the last day of the season. Yes. So, as we know... <clears throat> Jack is not much of a homer around here. Decided Jack to, tells it like it is. He's he's a homer. But I just he, love how the the I love the whole loophole big enough to drive a Mack truck through because they're it's amazing how, you know, you can put him on the just long enough so that you can bring a certain other player back onto the ice. And it's not even just them or just Stone. Uh, I mean, we we all know that the Tampa Bay Lightning have what they've done the last uh, two off seasons. Well, I think they've cornered the market on on getting a player back for the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, and then he turned around and made the comment about it, it, it. It would be stunning if if Tampa Bay wasn't able to beat Montreal in the Stanley Cup final being 18 million over the salary cap. <laughs> yeah, there's there's that. 
Because it's Mark Stone on the injured reserve. Uh-huh. Alex Martina or Alec Martinez on the injured reserve. Or rather long term injured reserve. Mm-hmm. And then Jake Bischoff. Oh, okay. Alec Martinez, he's a needle mover when he's playing. He's also a playoff performer. Uh, he memory says he's also got a ring or two uh, from yeah, his time got, in L.A. He's, he's got two with the Kings. Yeah. So, yeah, they're they're going to want him back on the ice and he might just miraculously recover. I honestly don't remember what his um, trajectory is. But right now, their current cap space is five point one six million, which is expected, which is right around what it will be at the deadline. Um, they are 10 million. Uh, they have used over 10 million in long-term injured reserve. This, these being the golden Knights. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that doesn't even count, uh, some of the, that doesn't even count Patrick, uh, Nolan Patrick, who is on the regular injured reserve. I just, um, I just thought it was interesting as we approach silly season, how it's kind of already started with all of these, parking players and and maybe in the next cba they should address this just thinking of you know um i don't think it will happen i think that i genuinely think that the owners who can afford it are okay with it okay um and i don't i don't see the players complaining about more people getting paid good money i don't have a problem with them getting paid i have a problem with if you set a salary cap why the salary cap suddenly doesn't matter when you make it to the playoffs. And it's never, it's never counted because, well, technically the players aren't play, aren't paid in the playoffs. Oh, okay. There's no annual salary because it, because bonuses, not all players yeah. make it. Yeah. It's bonuses. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I just, it made me laugh when I heard it the other day. It made me think about all the wonderful things that have gone on in the last couple of years with, you know, hey, let's against. have let's let's have a nice fresh uh, number eighty six down there in Tampa Bay, Kucherov or Stamkos or yeah. But when they're fresh and they haven't been hit around all season and plowed into the boards and they're not getting all the nicks and bumps and bruises and and yeah, it's amazing how much <laughs> fresher they are. <laughs> Um, even when they probably shouldn't even be playing like two seasons ago when Stamkos made it back onto the ice for what, two shifts? He, I mean, he, he was, score. he literally played three minutes in the play. That was during the, um, the summertime, summertime games. Yeah. Yeah. The pretend offs. Yeah. The pretend offs. Yes. And he um, came on for one shift, scored a goal and that was the end of that. Yeah. Uh, that's. That's a very interesting thing. I mean, congratulations to him. He managed to he managed to tough it out in order to do it. But was anyone fooled? Um, probably not. Yeah, n- no. Um, so normally I ask you right around this time where we want to go first, but you have an idea. Oh no, no, no! I have a desire. Oh, okay. Let's let's go where you desire then. We are going to start right at the top in the first bucket. Goalies, goalies, goalies. But we know I love talking about goalies, so there's no problem here. And it's been an interesting week to watch goalies and appreciate what they're doing. 
Um, New York Rangers, one of the oldest franchises in the league, one of the most observed franchises in the league. Yeah. One of the most influential franchises in the league. Well, they happen to be in like one of the biggest markets in the league and they're an original yeah. six team. So, yeah, go ahead. Lots of media exposure and yada, sure. yada, yada. Igor Shosturkin, fastest Rangers goalie to 50 wins in franchise history. That franchise is nearly 100 years old. I have no Fast idea how many game. goalies have gone through the system. I'm guessing it's in excess of 70 minimum faster than the King faster than Mike Richter. Wow. 50 wins in 79 games. That's so the guy's pretty good. That's literally five out of eight wins. That's a winning percentage that (laughs) is a little ridiculous in the 62 and a half percent. Yeah. 62 and a half percent. Yep. That's nice win percentage. Absolutely. You know, who's responsible for him being not only with the big club, but being the number one. Jeff Gordon. Uh, no, it would be a guy that they fired along with Jeff Gordon a guy named Dan Quinn, who, oh. when he was in charge of the team, declared that Shesterkin was going to be the number one. Georgiev was going to be the backup. And at the time, they still had the king who very, I'm guessing graciously, because I don't remember him complaining or saying anything about it, was the third goaltender. They had a three-headed monster for part of that season. They did. Uh, I think that was... Then Chesterkin got hurt in a car accident, and Georgiev had to start, and... The king backed him up, but yeah, it, it, that's that's how Shesterkin got himself up. It was Dan Quinn that brought him up and declared. Even at, it was only after like one or two games, and he said for the rest of the season that Shesterkin was his number one. It was sometime it was middle quick. of January. He had only played in a few games, and he was like, "Nope, he's my number one. That's it." I mean, you have to give respect to Quinn um, and wonder why he's not there anymore. Um, yes, but that's when you start talking about being the fastest 250 wins in the history of an original six franchise before you win an award, any external awards before you win any cops or, you know, you go deep into the playoffs, Mm -hmm. you're already on pace to have your Jersey in the Raptors. Like 50 and 79, you said, what was that? A 625 win 60, percentage? 62. Yeah. 625, 62 and a half percent of your, of your games are wins. Um, his save percentage is nothing to sneeze at. Um, you're, I mean, if he holds out with these sort of numbers for even five more years, six more years, you're you're talking about a jersey going up. Whatever happens or doesn't happen in the well, playoffs, because let's remember, Lundqvist never won a cup. Right now, he's your Vesna winner. Probably yes. I I think that. No 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 not probably. 
He's okay. got 34 start. He's got 33 starts. He's got a 941 save percentage and a 1.95 goals against average. Yes. He's your in, in a vacuum. Man. I think he would get it. And there's even been talk. There was even two weeks ago talk of the heart for it. Unfortunately, and this is going to weigh in with more of the voters than want to admit it to themselves. Where is Mr. Shosturkin from? Yes, he's Russian. The normal Russian discount of any of any Russian player in the league is bad enough. Mm-hmm. Given the current world situation, I don't know how big his margin is or was a week and a half ago or two weeks ago over second and third. But a percentage of that has gone away. Well, through no it fault depends on depends on how many games. If you go with a minimum of 20, if you go with a minimum of 20 games played or 19 starts or whatever, because then you bring in Billy Huso, who would be second at 935 and a 203 goals against. Then you've got Anderson in third with a 930 and a 203 goals against. Oh, Frederick. OK. Um, Frederick Anderson. Fourth. Yeah. <laughs> Fourth is Jeremy Swayman, 22 starts, 926 save percentage, 2.04 goals against. Jeremy Swayman is in the top five in goaltending. Yes, he is, folks. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, I he save percentage-wise, there's nobody near Shesterkin unless it's one of these call-ups because everybody around him is like one game played, two games played, um, until you get down to Huso, who's got... 20 games played, but he's six percentage, six hundredths of a percentage point below him, 941, 935. So a full point save percentage below. Um, Even Jacob Markstrom is in the top five right now. Jacob Markstrom is fifth, 925 save percentage, 2.13. He gets discounted every year, and he's nothing. But if you go look at his career numbers, he's super consistent. He's super unbelievably consistent. On bad teams, he he might actually be number two on the list or number three on the list of bad team goaltending. Uh, ah. Saros Saros would be sixth with a nine twenty. Right now, yes, right now Shesterkin would be a number one. Unfortunately, yes, he is Russian, and with the world climate being what it is, I would hope that it wouldn't play into it. If, you know, our favorite phrase, my favorite phrase, my favorite phrase, definitely, if the season ended today and they were giving out awards, it would be him. But unfortunately, what's happening globally, I would hope they wouldn't hand it to him. I would hope that they would look past that, whoever the voters are. Unfortunately, we don't live in that kind of a vacuum. So, yeah, it's possible that it's going to go to like a. Fred Anderson, who's got 30, because Fred Anderson's got 38 games played. So he's got more, he's got a couple hundred more minutes than Shesterkin. And then Villa Huso is up there, but he's only, he's almost, he's almost half of what Anderson's played at 20 games. Um, I mean, on the world situation, Russia and Belarus have been banned indefinitely from competition by the IIHF. Um, 
and uh, Russia has been stripped of hosting uh, the 2023 World Junior Championship. Uh, this is all news in the last couple of hours. It was pretty much a given by no. yesterday or by early maybe midday yesterday. They actually but it's lost been confirmed a, uh, in multiple sources. They lost a lot of sporting events actually in the first day, the first day and a half of what was of of what they're doing in Ukraine. The soccer world stepped in immediately and started pulling games out of Russia. The, there were tournaments that the Champions League tournament was supposed to end there. They pulled that out like immediately. So it's not surprising that the hockey world followed suit. Uh, I'm glad they reacted as quickly as they did. And whether you think it's purely as punishment to those two countries or simply a safety issue by not having things in an actual war zone. Um, I, I would go with that as a first choice. I mean, I don't know that it's yes. It, do they get a financial benefit from it? I get it. But I think that it's more a safety thing. Uh, in I would say with Belarus, it's more a safety thing because they're not a military. They're not a top tier military. Um, but we are way off of our normal uh, stomping grounds, <laughs> yeah. and we're going to wander back. Let, let's, stay in our, let's stay within our parameters. <laughs> J.F. Berube, J.F. Berube, uh, last week played in the NHL after very nearly four years away mm-hmm. and he backstopped the Columbus blue jackets to a win. Yes. It was against not the best team in the NHL. Um, yeah. but it was has... against the Buffalo Sabres, but all of that time out of the NHL back into the spotlight, back into the big leagues or as uh a certain goaltender uh, likes to call it back to the national back to the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to feel good for it. Got to feel good for him. He's now appeared in four games for color for Columbus. Yep. And while his goals against isn't uh, fabulous. And, and as you pointed out, it's more of a, a team stat, but his goals against is a 3.25, which seems high. Yeah. But his save percentage is 924. Not something. Which is honestly pretty good for not a not a good team. Yeah, that's um, why the that's why the numbers are 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 where they're at. Save percentage is goaltender, goals against being more of a team stat. Yeah, okay, he's got a terrible defense in front of him, with the exception of. I um, mean, at thirty, he's about the same age that Tim Thomas was when he came up mm-hmm. and stuck. Now, I'm not going to say he's the next Tim Thomas because that no. would be ridiculous. It would also be awesome, but it would be ridiculous to make that prediction based off okay. of four games. Well, continues his first four games in, what did you say, four years? Yes, he last played in the NHL for the Blackhawks in the 17-18 season. Wow. And yes, his four games this year have provided him with the best save percentage of his career and the <laughs> second best goals against average, which tells you how well he did uh, in appearances for the Islanders and the Blackhawks. 
is this the is this the week for goaltenders making a resurgence or or, or resurrecting is or resurrecting their careers though because we got Barubi and even more ridiculous Andrew Hammond the, the Ham Burglar hadn't played in hadn't played in the NHL in four years I mm-hmm. suspect through not much of his own fault but he comes back and absolutely steals the show mm-hmm. in his first game back. He has now played in a second game. And in two games back in the NHL, yeah. having not played since the, again, the 17-18 season where he only played one, and having gotten his last victory in the NHL, I think it was back yeah, it would have been back in the 15-16 season. He's got a 949 save percentage. Yes, 949 on the Montreal Canadiens, who are a <clears throat> not good team. They're on a little bit of a winning streak right now, though. I wonder why. <laughs> you have a goalie go from... Let's see. The next highest save percentage on that team is Sam uh, Samuel Montebo. Yeah, Sam Montebo. Uh, 902. Out of the Florida Panther system. 902 in 25 games. After that, Jake Allen, a 901 in 24 games. Caden Primo has an 866 in 11 games. And Mike Mc, Michael McNiven... I'm going to spare it being recorded what he has. That's nice of you. <laughs> Never let it be said. I am not a, mag- a magnanimous man. Fair enough. I will make sure that that does not happen. But you think about some of the names that have cropped up this year. I mean, Scott Wedgwood has been playing this season. Dustin Tokarski is back in the league. I mean, yes, he made he had, he ended he ended up finishing last year with Buffalo last season with Buffalo. They extended him, and he's been a key performer for Buffalo this season. With Uko Pekalukanen being out and Craig Anderson being out, they've been relying on on Tokarski. I mean, this is like the season of the. Resurrected goaltender. Oh, absolutely. It's and it's been a lot, a lot, a lot of fun to watch. Um, because there are some of these guys who I questioned. I mean, when Hammond was sent down back in the fifteen sixteen season, Mike was wondering why. Uh. Was he not having a good season? Well, it was basically his, I mean, it was one of his first real looks as a, as an NHL goaltender. Um, he's, I mean, he's still only played, what, 50 NHL games or less. He just came in, had a ridiculous run in his first, I don't know, eight or 10 NHL games. Um, then their number one and number two came back. I think Craig Anderson was the number one in Ottawa at the time. Um, or no, it was 
Yeah, it was in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. And he got sent down, and no one bothered to pick him up. And it was it was kind of mind-boggling to me. Fair enough. Max Lagasse, Max Lagasse played in two games this season for Tampa Bay. I mean, names popping up all over the place that I haven't seen in a while. <laughs> so it's been a year of and the, and the goaltenders that you were expecting were going to like I was I was expecting that Mackenzie Blackwood would have a breakout season. Uh, nope. I thought Caden Primo would be better. You know, maybe he needs a little more seasoning in the minors. I thought Caden Primo would be better than he. Nope. I thought he'd be challenging for the number one job up there in in, in Montreal. Uh, just uh, Nedeljkovic traded to Detroit. Nope. Nedeljkovic is probably the one who surprises me most as far as not thriving. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much of this is. Oops, we moved him, uh, and he's now needs to reacclimate to a completely different system. But even I don't know how much of it is he was covered up by a really, really good uh, system in um, a really, really good system in Carolina. playing Carolina. But even even you'll get Robin Leonard. I mean, Robin Leonard's not got. Not got the greatest numbers this year. I mean, he's got 19 wins and 34 starts, but he's not. He's only got one shutout. I mean, he's not exactly lighting the world on fire goaltending wise. I mean, just some of these goaltenders that haven't been around a while. It's like a. It's like a weird kind of switcheroo type of thing. I don't know. You got guys like Villa Huso who's come in and and. As you said, Bennington is basically handing him his job. I thought he was stealing it, but. No, Bennington is. um, Bennington is exactly the goaltender they thought he was when he was on loan to the Bruins uh, two and a half or three and a half years ago at this point. Um, He just had almost every player. Has one magical run in them. Mm hmm. And they got it at exactly the right time to break their nearly, what was it, 50-year drought or lack of a championship? Agreed, yeah. I, I, don't, I, I, still, I still believe that Shesterkin is should be given the award. Yes, I understand the world. But talking about some of these guys, I mean – J.F. Baruby, I haven't heard that name in forever. And, you know, Hamburglar comes up because everybody knows him as the Hamburglar. You know, he's the guy in Ottawa and people throwing hamburgers at him. And so he, it's easy to remember him, but still not having played in four years in an, in an, in an NHL setting. And to, it, It's absolutely bonkers, and it's exactly the type of stuff the NHL should be marketing. Yes, yes they should. Exactly the type of stuff the NHL should be marketing. Of all of the things that Americans love most, it's an underdog or a comeback story. It, you can sell them all day long to Americans, and that's what Gary Bettman has claimed he's trying to do for the last 30 years that he's been stomping all over the NHL. 
Fair enough. Yeah. Another another celebration that they should be having is uh, the guy on the island who's actually rumored in a lot of trade talks now with the deadline coming up. And which island guy is that? Uh, big six foot nine guy. Oh, the guy. You're not talking about the guy who just had a milestone. Um, yeah, that's him. Again, another thing that should be celebrated. Wait, a guy who's won a Stanley Cup. Yeah. Norris Trophy. Competed in the Olympics. Yeah. Um, competed in the world hockey, has a two decade long career been a captain, been an all-star, done oodles and oodles and oodles and oodles and oodles for charities and nonprofits and sick kids, um, including yeah, that somewhat terrifying appearance in the bunny costume. Um, <laughs> I was just riding go. around a very busy city on a bicycle. Just won't go away, that bunny costume. <laughs> endless patience with fans, including really drunk, guys at the end of his first season wandering around outside the greatest bar. Um, maybe you think that maybe they should celebrate people like that. I'm thinking, yeah, because Tadeno Chara played in his 1,652nd regular season game. Um, that's an NHL record for defensemen. So ahead of Ray Bork, ahead of Bobby Orr, ahead of, Chris Chelios, who was the previous record holder, um, ahead of every other defenseman you can name, from Ally Afraidy to Victor Hedman, uh, all of those guys. Um, yep. Uh, yeah, they should be celebrating that. That should legitimately be all over the NHL, all over any sort of news covering the NHL. And the kicker is that. He's I mean, this is a guy who when he signed with New York Islanders, everybody thought, oh, you know, he's third line, third line, third, third pairing, excuse me, third line, third pairing defenseman now, not gonna play a lot of minutes. You know. I've heard his name crop up at least half a dozen times over the last week or so as to he's gonna be he's he's gonna be a big trade ship at the deadline. So I and, guess he's still doing it right. And the and thing is, is that be, you're hearing about him not during, not just during Islanders games, but during games where the Islanders are not on the ice. Uh huh. And that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the I don't I don't know that. You know, the Bruins wanted to see him go. I, you know, he didn't really have a great time in, in Washington. I don't believe he did anyway. It didn't. He didn't seem to enjoy his time. I don't know. Maybe he did. I didn't get that impression. I think that part of that was the pandemic and part of that was. Um, that team just seemed tired and worn out like halfway through the season. But 1,652 games, regular season games, not counting all his playoff games, not counting all the time he's played internationally. The stamina this guy has is just off the charts. 
It's ridiculous. I mean, he's he's in a league that prizes fitness like maybe no other. He's known as a freak, even among his even by people who don't like him. Uh. Um, one. Uh, yes. One of the more interesting uh, stories to pop up, or at least amusing ones to me, yeah. I was comparing, was talking about Jack Quinn. Jack Quinn is, of course, one of the Vancouver Canucks. Um, Quinn, young Quinn, defenseman. Quinn Hughes? Quinn Hughes, right. Sorry. <laughs> I'm like, Jack Quinn, He was, wasn't he just drafted? He's not, I don't even know where he is right now. Ottawa? Um, might need more coffee before the show. And this is honestly one of the reasons I hate doing the show at night, but that's fair enough. Uh, yeah. Quinn Hughes is the Quinn Hughes Vancouver. So we're talking about the Vancouver Canucks. Correct. Okay. Um, stat center, uh, tweeted something a day or so ago about the, or most, most career 40 plus point seasons by a defense and, in Canucks franchise history. This is going back to 1970. Um, I'll let y'all, all of y'all do the math. Um, here's the list from top to bottom with four each Kevin McCarthy and Yerky Lume with three each Quinn Hughes, Dennis Kearns and Rick Lands, um, as well as Ed Jovanovsky and Kevin Biexa. What sticks out to you about all of those names? Uh, or most of, of those them. names, at least? Well, I know. I mean, first of all, I recognize three of them. I recognize Yerky Lumi, Ed Jovanovsky, Kevin Bieksa. Yep. Uh, I don't they know. Play a pretty long time with the Canucks. They all played multiple seasons with the Canucks. Yeah. Uh, uh, good long time then again you're talking about a time where i i don't know if there was free agency so you stayed with your team you stayed with your team unless you were traded or unless your contract was up and you signed somewhere else yeah there, there was no there was no rfa you know for that that came later so yeah they they stayed they were with their teams for a while and the fact that Quinn Hughes is what twenty four, twenty and not very much. Yep, and he's already had three seasons, so he's tied with Eddie Joe. He's tied with Bieksa. He's one behind Yerky Lumi, who I'm not sure if he's in the Hall of Fame, but he could be considered for it. He was good enough, and the fact that. In 51 years, there's only two guys with four, and, and he's one behind them. Um, by the time his career is over, he could potentially have, I don't know, upwards eight. of eight. That's Nine. right. That's the number I was going, eight. <laughs> I mean, Quinn Hughes is, is – so here's the question. The Vancouver Canucks are now a 50-plus-year-old franchise. That has never won a cup. Quinn Hughes was drafted seventh in 
in um, 2018. Yeah. He's played in four seasons. His first year, he only played five games. So in the three full seasons he's played, and by full, and we're counting the two shortened seasons of his first two years in the league um, as full seasons, um, he still managed to score more than 40 points. I was going to say, so wait, he didn't even have full 82-game seasons. No, he had a – he played 68 games in 1920, 56 games in 2021, and 50 games to date in uh, this in the current season, which is a total of 56, 5106. How many was the first one? Um, 68 plus five. He's played a total of 179 games. That's less than two actual NHL seasons, and he's already had three NHL seasons worth of 40 point seasons. <laughs> so the the question here is this. Does this say more positive about Hughes than it says about the other guys? Or is, is, or it put another way, is this a good thing for about Hughes or is this a bad thing about the franchise? Because Ed Jovanovsky played um, – he played 31 games in the, in the 98-99 season um, all the way through the 05-06 season – uh, with them, um, where he only played 48 games. Mm-hmm. Um, so one, two, three, four, five full se- five seasons with at least 56 games, and then uh, the 31 goal season, 31 season or 31 games in his first season, where he had uh, or partial season, I and mean, then some- he had that last season of 44 games. I mean, uh, Kevin Bieksa say- was there what 10 years. Are some people going to say different time, different result? No, that's different. That's goal not a defense. That's because when you're talking about Jovanovski, you're talking about Eddie Joe was an offensive defenseman. Yeah, he was an offensive defenseman. And quite frankly, goaltending wasn't as good when he played. I mean, the year let's just clicking a random year um, for the 2000, 2001 season. When Bob Asenza was on their roster, um, Dan Cloutier was their best save percentage with an 894, but Bob Asenza played the most games and he had an 892 through 30 uh, through 39 games. And Felix Podvin, yes, that Felix Podvin, played 35 games with an 887 save percentage. Um. I mean, Felix Podvin had several plus 900 seasons, uh, but he finished it with a career 905, ending in 0304 with Boston, which I practically forgot because he only played 28 games. Um, but different error, yes. More clutch, more grabs, slower game. The goaltending wasn't as good. Mm-hmm. Goalie equipment wasn't as good. Uh, or rather, it wasn't as large. And goaltenders, as a rule, were physically smaller. I mean, Felix Potman is more of a modern-sized goalie at 6'1 and 191. Uh, but I, you had, I mean, who was the goaltender they had early on who was 5'7", 5'8"? Vancouver? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Um, it 
The I'm Canucks not sure had a bit. They had they had they had big tall goalie. Uh, the heck was his name? Kevin McCarthy played. Uh, let's see, 78-79 through eighty-three, eighty-four for the Canucks. So again, seven, eight seasons. Only four of them, uh, plus forty. I mean, if you're thinking of Vernon, he played in Calgary, not in Vancouver. What was the last name? Vernon, Mike Vernon, but he played in Calgary, not Vancouver. Before he went to the De- the Red Wings. I, anyway, I mean, the point, is, the thing is, I, if you're asking me my opinion, I'd say this is more of a factor of how good Quinn Hughes is rather than, I mean, Vancouver has made it to the Stanley Cup final. Yes, the Bruins won. You know, they've made it to the playoff. They're not one of the, you know, you can't look back on them and, and they don't have the history of, of Montreal making it to the play year after year after year, winning Stanley Cup after Stanley Cup. No, but I don't think that they are as bad. And I, I think that this is more of an indication of how good Quinn Hughes is rather than how, quote unquote, bad the team is. I would honestly, I know I asked it as an either or, but I would say it's actually both because I think Quinn Hughes is that good. And the franchise in 51 years of not winning a Stanley Cup has only been to the Stanley Cup finals, what, twice, three times? Yeah, something like that. So they're barely better than the now four year old um, Vegas Golden Knights, which is legitimately comparing someone middle-aged to someone just entering kindergarten. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. I mean, it, it, Quinn Hughes is that good. I mean, not Jump, the biggest guy in the world, not a huge physical guy, but yeah, he is He that good. knows what to do with the puck. Yes. Um, jumping back to the goaltenders for a minute. Yeah. Um, we all know that my favorite uh, stat for goaltenders is uh, quality starts percentage. Yes. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple of names. Okay. And admittedly, some of these guys have very different lengths of careers mm-hmm. um, and to- game totals. Yeah. And these numbers are all as of uh, Sunday, 11 a.m., so these are the quality start percentages in no particular order. Um, you can write them down, and I will give you the names in a second. 610. This is, this is the percentages? The quality start percentages. 610. Yeah. 730. Yeah. 574. 680. And 573. Yeah. Okay. Going to give you the names now. Okay. Carey Price. Andrew Hammond. Andre Vasilevsky. Tuka Rask. And Igor Shosturkin. I think one of these gives itself away. So I'm supposed to match up names with percentages. One of them is a gimme, if you paid attention to what we were talking about in the first half of the show. So, Igor Shesterkin is the 730. 
Very good. Yeah. That only leaves you uh, four to match. Uh, let's see. Uh, Tuka Rask will be the 573. No, that's not. He was on Boston. It's got to be better than that. Let's go with 730, 574, 573. So Kerry Price is the 573. Andrew Hammond is the 610. Vasilevsky is the 680. And Tukarask is the 574. Is that your final answer? Sure, why not? Okay, go ahead. Fill me in. The 573 is Andre Vasilevsky. Really? Wow. Wouldn't have the 574 that. is Carey Price. The 610 is Tuka Rask. Hey, I got the Carey Price one right. No, you said he was 573. Oh, did I give him the bottom one? Oops, sorry. Yes. Okay. okay. And Andrew Hammond is the 680. I got that one right. So 680, smaller sample size. Yeah. Is better than than three different three different Vesna uh, Trophy winners. Igor Shosturkin's collapsed the field. <laughs> I mean, the, the the issue is, and you just said it yourself: it's smaller sample size, play in less games. You got more. You got a chance for a higher percentage as you play games you open yourself up to having less quality starts, you having those nights where you just have a bad game, having, you know, but given the reputation of Andre Vasilevsky, yes, he should. You would think that his, you would think that his quality starts percentage would be a lot higher. You would think it was at least the six ten, if not the six eight. Yeah. I gave him the six ten. I think, I think I gave AV the six ten. Um, Andrew Hammond, I gave the 680, or vice versa. I might have screwed that up. I might have given the AB we'll the Let the listeners tell us which, how you were wrong. Um, that's fine. They can do that. But there's – and that's that difference that so, I like to point out to. So Carey Price, world beater, six, uh, 574? 574. Don't they refer to him as the best goalie in the world, or they used to? Yes. Oh, okay, just checking. And I think that I think that Carey Price is a better at when healthy is a very very good goaltender. I, I would take a healthy Carey Price over healthy Tuka Rask in the playoffs. That said, I think, I think Carey Price, Price held them together in in their last playoff run. That said, a healthy Carey Price is sort of like I don't know a belligerent Patrice Bergeron. It happens every once in a while. It just doesn't last very long. Okay, fair enough. Um, but that's one of those differences where reputation and the numbers say different things about players. And I love the fact that the stat exists. Uh, Hockey Reference has it, for those of you who haven't gone spelunking there, it is... As I said, it's my favorite goalie stat. Um, I think it's obviously 
most accurate for players in the same uh, in the, who are playing most of the time in the same division uh, because you're playing mostly the same teams uh, most often. So Shesterkins and Vasilevsky, they're and well, actually no Shesterkins in the Metro, but Price, yes. Rask, and Vasilevsky all in the same division. Mm-hmm. And there's a spread there. It's not super huge. But yeah, I I will say that Tuka Rask, by this one standard in the regular season, is arguably better than Carey Price and Andre Vasilevsky. And I didn't even gag a little saying it. That's impressive. I know. But it's objective, which I always try to be. Okay. Even when schmucks don't deserve it. Which one is that? <laughs> um, which one is that? Uh, that's the story we're moving on to next. Um. During this week, uh, the Collingwood Blues had a player in need of a defibrillator, uh, which means the heart went a little bit wonky, um, at the Eddie Bush Arena in uh, Collingwood, Ontario. Um, Player collapsed to the ice. Trainers uh, Jen Viacunas and Aurora and Lindsay O'Neill. Um, oh, no, Jen Veracunas of Aurora and then Lindsay O'Neill of Collingwood uh, leapt into action, um, signaling for someone to retrieve the defibrillator from the arena lobby. Uh, Greg Johnston, the head coach, uh, was alerted of the, intri- of the incident and rushed to help as well. Um, Johnston is the player had previously played for the Toronto Maple Leafs and Boston Bruins. Um, he had poor. Ha, um, he had reportedly administered CPR twice while on duty. The player survived and is reported to be in stable condition as of the last time uh, the story was updated. Um, good outcome. Hope the family and the player uh, whose name who was not named uh, because they are a child. Um Managed to recover and just be able to keep enjoying the sport one way or another. Um, but again, this is the type of stuff where hockey needs to market itself better. As it says in the article, though, I think the key thing is the very first sentence in this story. This is why there should be defibrillators in every, every hockey, hockey arena. arena. Why there aren't is beyond me. Beyond my understanding and comprehension, I'm sorry. I, I, why are they not there? I understand there's a cost involved. Figure out a way to get around it. <laughs> Legitimately, you've got guys who are playing, guys who you know, you get hearts pounding and and, and body just pumping the, adrenaline. It, 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 there's you should have one there. It's not even just the kids playing. You've got parents, grandparents, sometimes even great grandparents making the trek to the arena in the cold, mm-hmm. ju- uh, heading up uh, the bleacher stairs, 
you know, for some of them, that's a lot of strain. You might need it for a fan uh, as well as much as uh, for a player. And yeah, you, you really need to have something there. Um, CPR is good. It's not, it, it, it's not as effective for serious, uh, serious heart problems. So you got the head coach running in, putting it, doing CPR. You got the, 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 the Collingwood Blues staff coming in. Go grab the defibrillator out of the lobby, which they did. I mean, it, it's, yeah, there should be one in every building. I don't, I, yeah. I, there's really not much more you could say about it except that there really should be one. The value of having an AD in every sporting complex. I mean, do you put it, let's put it this way for the arenas who don't want to put the money on it. How much less money do you think you'll be known for? Or how much less money do you think you'll make if you become the arena that let a kid die because they were too cheap to have a defibrillator? Go ahead. I'll wait. Uh, yeah, I'm. <laughs> I think that I think I think it's priceless. I think you need to have you, you, the 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 cost of of potentially losing a life over the cost of having a defibrillator in the lobby. Get the get the defibrillator. They're they're apparently the blues, the Collingwood Blues, uh, the the staff can they're planning to hold a pregame ceremony to honor the first responders when the Tigers come into town, the Aurora Tigers come into town for their next game later this season. So that's a nice little touch as well. And maybe the NHL or somebody could uh, get some kind of news uh, coverage on that. Heck, the if the Players Association wants leverage going into the next uh, CBA debate, This is your perfect issue. We're taking better care of the children uh, of the children and the future of the game than the league is. Get on that. Like literally get on that. Okay. Yeah. We're next. Um very quickly, we talked about one milestone earlier in the in in and it was a defenseman. Well, I got another defenseman milestone uh, name that most people recognize, Jack Johnson, who this year signed a professional tryout and actually stuck with the Colorado Avalanche. Jack Johnson, 35 years old, will be playing in his 1,000th career NHL game. He's been around five, 15 years, five different franchises. Uh, number three overall pick out of Michigan and the whole article coming from the Denver Post is all about JT Comfer, how he started his career at Michigan, and now he gets to play with, and apparently Michigan celebrates, and there's three alumni. He's the third alumni from Michigan. But I just want to talk about it. It's Jack Johnson. Uh, unfortunately, he had uh, some financial issues a few season, a few years ago, and that's what a lot of people are going to remember about him. But this is a guy who's never been out of the first round of the playoffs. And now he's, he basically signed on with Colorado 
as a, a, a Stanley Cup or bust type of situation. Yeah, it sounds to me like he's not planning on playing too much longer. So this is like his last. This is like a last gasp effort. Unless he and if he's having a good season, I don't know why he would want to retire. But the and way it's worded, it makes it sound like he's basically this is like a last gasp type of thing. But he's only missed four games this season, which is 30, impressive given at 35 years old. Given his physical style of play, um, the travel schedule of of a t- of the team. Yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. And he's playing he's playing for a whopping seven hundred and fifty grand. And he's playing about eighteen minutes a night, so it's not like he's <laughs> he's not shying. This is not like he's not out there just being third pairing. He plays with Sam Gerrard on on five on five situations. He plays with Sam Gerrard, so he's he's getting productive minutes. So congratulations to him. And hey, if it, if it if it if it feels good, stick around a while longer. Yeah, and if Colorado doesn't want you, go collect another jersey elsewhere. Uh, I mean, and this guy is blocking more shots per sixty minutes than anyone on the team. So he's again not loafing. Um, Five point seven one shots per sixty. Um, the only other guy over five is Ryan Murphy, who has played a whole lot less uh, less games. He's also hitting it over seven and a half per six. He's a physical guy. That's why I'm yep. saying it, it, he's you know, playing in four, play only missing four games this season, 49 out of 53. For a guy who's physical, I mean, if he was one of these finesse guys that skates around, you know, different story, but he's a physical guy, you know, and, and he's still out there banging every night and he's, you know, 18 minutes a night. And more power to him. Congratulations. Absolutely. Uh, what else we got? We got a whole column full of story, little stories here. So Eric Lang. Eric Lang. Why does that name escape me? Um, because you don't pay enough attention to American International College. Wow. You're right. I don't pay enough attention to American International. Uh, AIC head coach Eric Lang um, just had his 100th win as head coach of the of the team. Um, I uh, I have seen a couple of AIC games. Um, we don't get to see them quite as much on TV as the Hockey East uh, boys and girls, but um, fun to watch um, because they are another one of those really good D1 teams. Um, and the Yellow Jackets, uh, the Yellow Jackets, they bent the Frozen Four under his tenure, memory serves. So 100 wins. How long has he been head coach? Uh, three seasons, I think. That's not bad. No, he's uh, he's more than reasonable. That's not bad. I might have to dig in deeper on that. You're right. I haven't paid enough attention to American International. Uh, and they are. Yeah, well, he he landed there as head coach in 2016. 
So um, five years, five and a half, five years, uh, two, five years with two COVID seasons. Well, maybe even three if you're counting this year. Um, previous coach, uh, head coach of Manhattanville College's women's team in 20, 2008 through 11. And he was also the coach of their men's team from 11 to 12. Um, Army West Point uh, volunteer assistant and lead assistant. And that's. 2012, 13, and 13 through 16, respectively. Um, Going to be interesting to see um, what happens with his career and whether he decides to stay in the college game mm-hmm. or if he's one of these guys who we see in the NHL in two or three more years. Um, this is another one of these guys we should have added to the list of, well... Potential NHL head coaches? Probably. Because um, he... Let's see. Um, in his under his tenure, uh, they played in the AHA first round in his first year, which is amazing because they weren't very good. Second year, um, they went they made it to the quarterfinal. Third year in that eighteen nineteen season, AHA champion. Um, nineteen twenty not held because of COVID. Um, 2021, so last season, AHA champion, and they were nationally ranked as high as 15th. Um, that's an accomplishment. There's a lot of much better known schools who never make it that high. And um, again, so- his teams, and again, this is another guy kind of like uh, who we talked about the uh, Madigan and and whatnot here in the Northeast, but this guy, oh, and and at UMass when we talked about mm-hmm. the UMass head coach, there's another guy who took over, no NC tournament, no NC tournament, and then suddenly regional final not held, regional semifinal. I mean, the national rank has gone up 16, 20th, up to 15. I mean, this is a He's, team that's improving under him. So, it, like his name is a big deal in the history of that. Uh, that hockey uh, program, and he's only been there for four real seasons, four or five seasons. And that like, doesn't even include is, the twenty one twenty two season on his on the list yet. So they do not, which kind of confused me when I first saw the tweet. Well, I, I assume that two, so he's got eighteen wins this season, which means he's already uh, he's he's on pace to come pretty close to what he did. In nineteen in in nineteen twenty and possibly eighteen nineteen, I don't know how many games they got left in the season, but Absolutely. if he's already got eighteen wins on on the year, not bad. I I got to give him again. Got to give him a look. Trade and, deadline is closing in. <laughs> yes, it is. It's one of our favorite holidays. Yeah, I wish it was a holiday. Actually, I I find I find excuses to take the day off. Usually, probably will take it off this year. Not it's, gonna lie, it's uh, difficult to pay attention to work and the trade deadline at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I need to focus. <laughs> so Frank Cervelli, um, daily face off. He's on Twitter all the time. Uh-huh. He put together an interesting column um, 
five trade targets to be 2022's Coleman or Goudreau. Um, he goes on to explain in the column that he's not looking for a one-to-one match in terms of style, and he sets some parameters, which I think are always important in trying to make comparisons for impact. Um, must be under age 27, must be under team control uh, or RFA, uh, have contract, whichever. Reasonably available in trade, so he says no to Tanner Giro and Dennis Garyanov. Um, candidate must have a salary cap hit under $3 million. Goodbye, Scott Lawton and Connor Brown of Ottawa. Um, and that's his list. So not a ridiculous list of requirements. You know, must be a left shot, left defenseman um, who's over six foot four. It's just these three, these three things. We were talking about this a little bit before the show. My two guys who I think are most interesting, at least from a Boston Bruins perspective, and I think one of them is more long-term, one of them is more immediate, are actually lower on the list. But um, not that I think this is... Actually, he doesn't say whether... The list is ordered, but I don't know if it's... I don't know a if it's ranking. a rank. I don't think it's a ranking. It doesn't. It doesn't say ranked. It just says five trade targets. So, so I don't think they're ranked in any particular order. Arturi Lekkinen, Montreal Canadiens, 26 years old, 2.3 AAV, 49 games, seven goals, 13 assists, 1431 TOI. That's the first name on the list. Yeah, I think he's available. Yeah, you'll probably get something for him if you move him. Um. Brandon Hagel, name you barely hear ever, but yes. his stats are noticeably yeah. better than Lekkonen's. He's a yes for me if he's truly available. Um, left wing, left wing, right ring for the Blackhawks. Shoots left, 23 years old. Um, two years remaining at 1.5, which makes him really attractive um, because he's got 14 goals, 13 assists. With 17:01 time on ice, he's playing top six minutes, um, mm-hmm. and that's important. Um, Alex Texier is someone I could be convinced of simply because he's plays both center and wing. 22 years old, so there's still room for growth. 36 games played, 11, uh, 9, and 20, 14, 36, so probably third line minutes. Um, he had a finger injury, which has taken him off the roster. Um, I I could be convinced as a depth move with an eye more towards the future to add him because I uh, you both of us love that flexibility to play both wing and center. Yes. If number four were a right wing and not a left wing, I would be hard in on him. Yes. Lawson Krause, 24. Left wing, left shot, Coyotes, 50 games, 14, 10, and 24, with 17, 34 on a <clears throat> not good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have referred to them for most of the season as the Arizona 32nds, and despite the fact that they are not actually in that place at the moment, I will continue to refer to them as the Ottawa 32nds. I mean, the Arizona 32nds. The issue, I'm sorry, they are back there. I hadn't looked today. No, the issue with Kraus, uh, I, I love his size. Uh, you know, 
can he be a little physical? He he was drafted 11th overall. The expectation is that he should be a top six forward. I'm wondering if focus and do they even have six? Uh, do they even have three players who should be in the top six of a contender? But he it, it on says that right here, not a facilitator, not a high end shooter. It's tunnel visioned with the puck. I, I just there there are there are questions. I don't want to say negatives, but there are questions that I need to see answered. I like I mean, Lawson Kraus, but I'm not over the moon about him like some people are. I wouldn't say I'm over the moon. I, I would obviously if you're going to only offer me one player from that team, I mean you have to go outside the parameters of this conversation. Yes. You and but, I both know who that is because it's the same guy. Clayton Keller is probably a slightly better fit here in Boston and definitely more productive. And no, we're not going to talk about your wubby. <laughs> he doesn't fit the parameters, so he can. He's, he doesn't yes, get the we're camera. not going to talk about your wubby. We don't have to. Brandon Hagel is a yes, though. I would like to uh, we can if we can make a go at him. The, the yeah. problem with. Go we ahead. got one more. No, no, no. We got one more name on the list. I, I, I'm skipping ahead here. Then there's Noah Gregor. Um, San Jose Sharks, left wing, right wing. Only 35 games played so far this season. Um, two goals, seven assists, nine points, 15, 19 of time on ice. So that's more TOI than uh, than both Lekkonen and um, Texier. Texier. And he's, as the article points out, the least heralded player on the team. He's also really playing probably his first consistent NHL minutes. Um, he played 30 games back in the 2020 season. Mm -hmm. um, he played 28 games back in the 1920 season. Was drafted fourth round overall um, back in 2016 out of uh, Moose Jaw in the WHL. I think that this is a I think he has the potential to be a really solid third liner, which, given the parameters of what you're looking for in this article. Is great. I think that. Some of the other guys have potential to play higher in the lineup. But if you're saying I want a young depth forward. Who's going to give me a stupid amount of energy when he gets into the playoffs and gets on the ice uh, every shift. I'm probably asking for this guy. Okay. Um, yes, I would like Lawson Krause, but if you're if we're talking from like Boston's point of view or from an energy point of view for say a team like the Washington Capitals who are a little bit older, they won a cup for most of them in certainly the back quarter of their career for their core guys, because Ovechkin was over 30. Carlson is no longer young. Oshie, no longer young. Backstrom, no longer young. That's their core. At, at some point, they had to start wondering if they were ever going to win it. They did. And I don't think they've so shown the same jump that they that they had that year since. Getting a younger guy who can be ridiculously excited to be playing in the playoffs yeah. and provide a little bit of 
Flash because I watched him play the last game, the Bruins versus the Sharks. I liked what I saw. Do I think he's super polished and ready to be playing 19 minutes next to Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand? No, no. Am I going to slide him into the lineup in, when Mitch Marner goes out? Uh, probably not. No, no, probably not. Um, and also, you know, not going to replace Nikita Kucherov. <laughs> but if you're legitimately looking for a contributor, excitement, energy, third line, six feet, 190 pounds, fourth rounder who's three years into or three seasons into his NHL career has only played 95 games, hasn't seen in the playoffs at all yet. I think this guy could do it. This guy can be your spark plug, your lucky charm, your at 23. He's still young enough. He's going to be more excitable than the guys in their mid thirties or older, but he's going to have in theory, his head on his shoulders enough not to be doing stupid stuff off the ice and attempting to stay up for three days straight and uh, showing up to practice in the day in the clothes he left the arena in four days or four days before. Um, Not that I can think of anyone who's ever done something, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certainly more, there are certainly a lot of players who I would take ahead of him, but yeah, of these five, uh, I, I kind of like, I kind of like him. Uh, and I'm pretty much sold on. Lekkanen. You definitely said Lekkanen. I definitely did not say Lekkanen. But the more I read about Brandon Hagel, the more there is. And, and you know what? The ask, it seems like the ask for anybody that I want is always expensive. And, uh, the ask is believed to be a first round pick and a top prospect for him. But this is a guy who was a sixth round pick. Um, plays on the first power play, second penalty kill units for Chicago. 200 foot player, scoring and passing ability. Wins battles along the walls, kills penalties. Also plays bigger than his six foot frame might indicate. Uh, I'm sorry, but the guy ticks boxes. I want to see more of him before I really go down the rabbit hole but oh i'm and he's got two years left on his deal not one two that's my favorite thing about any deal we're doing if we're if if i can get a player back with term that gives me time to make a decision like tessier i can be sold on texier he's got another year left on his deal sure bring him in put him on the third line He, he plays third line minutes anyway uh, I've seen him play in the playoffs with Columbus. I know yep. that he can score. He's a he's a. It, it says he isn't an elite level facilitator or goal scorer, but I've seen him score. I know he can put the puck in the net. No. But it, see, I think that Texier, like a guy we're going to talk about in two or three minutes, is one of those guys who is gonna play better with better players, and there's. Not many of those better players in in Columbus right now. Mm-hmm. And looking at his, just looking at his numbers, he's only been in the league. I mean, he played in the eighteen nineteen season, got into two games, picked up a goal. 
1920 season, 13 points in 36 games. Last season, the 2021 season, he played in 49 games and had 15 points. Um, but this year, his numbers have taken a good leap forward. 36 goal games, 11 goals, 20 points overall, and he's managed to chop down uh, the penalty minutes from 22 last year in 49 games to just 12 this year through 36. Um, I think that he's Cervelli is on the right track here uh, by having him on this list. Mm -hmm. And he, again, he's only 22. He won't even be 23 years old until this September, practically after camp or around the time that camps break. And yes, I, I would absolutely take Hegel too. Yeah. I mean, the only my only worry with he or my only dislike for Hagel is his aggressively average size, although technically under league average. <laughs> is he gonna um, fit? Is he gonna is he gonna fit in with the way Boston? I mean, it says he, he wins battles along the walls. So if he's if he's winning battles along the wall, that's that's a good mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know Connor Clifton's not that big, and no, uh, and Connor's not afraid of anybody. <laughs> Sometimes to his own detriment. Um, yes, agreed. <laughs> Grizzly wins some of those battles along the boards, and normally doesn't have to go into them because he does. He's one of the best small space players in the league. I, I said this on Twitter the other night. I've been all in on. Matt Grizzlick since watching one of his very first NHL games where he swooped in and out of the Bruins crease, took a puck away from some star making six times what he was and skated away and made a smart exit pass all in the space of a breath untouched and without the other players even noticing he was there. Like, He's that good at that stuff, and the people who don't like him aren't paying enough attention. Agreed. Just flat out are not paying enough attention. Um, on the daily face-off, he uh, he had Scott Burnside as a go as a guest. Burnside threw out another name who was eh, not quite eligible for the list. Okay. Um, but is another fairly interesting player who could be had for not not too much. Uh, Derek Grant. Uh, Grant is of course playing for the Ducks. Yeah. Forty-seven games, uh, eight, six, and fourteen. Um, he is a six-three, two hundred and ten-pound center. Um. 31 years old, which is part of what disqualifies him. But I'm not as sold on Grant. I don't think he's terrible. I think he's a consistent, really, he would be a superb fourth liner and a re, and an above average third liner. Um, and if that's what your team needs uh, in the center hole, go for it. I, say, I just don't think that. The Bruins need that. They've got enough with the, Bru the, the Bruins bottom now. six forwards. 
I mean, I think the one advantage he has over most of the rest of the list, he's got 19 playoff games of experience. Okay, there you go. Uh, 15 with the Flyers uh, in the 1920 season. So that would have been in the pretend offs, I believe. No. Yeah. 1920? Yes. And then um, four back with Anaheim in his first tenure with the team in 1718. Um, 19 playoff games doesn't, is it a huge number, but it's better than zero. And 15 means that you won at least a round. Okay. Yeah. 15 games is that you made it into the second, uh, seven, seven. I don't remember the pretend offs were weird because where they, where they all play in. And then you had the first round, oh, the that's right. first the, round, they, and then you had I, additional rounds. And I don't know if he played every game or not, but so he made he played in at least two rounds. Okay. Um, one thing I think is going to be interesting this year that could actually see more, and a reason we I think we could see more movement than we have in most play, in most of the recent years, mm-hmm. and even bigger names. Um. When you look at the standings, when you look at the odds to make the playoffs, thank you uh, to our friends over uh, at Money Puck. Ah, the yes. (laughs) When you look at the odds to make the playoffs, Mm -hmm. the East is set. Mm. Conference is effectively set. Um. The East is set. The West is well. We, we we have evidence of the squishiness of the West. I mean, the Boston Bruins are the second lowest team in the Eastern, second or third lowest team in the Eastern Conference, and they're at ninety nine point five percent. Colorado, Carolina, Tampa Bay, Florida, and Toronto have all. According to MoneyPuck.com, 100% chance to make the playoffs. So that's four out of the top five of the Eastern Conference. Pittsburgh is next at 99-2. That's uh, five. Boston is two more slots down. That's six. And then the Rangers and Washington are uh, 98.2 and 89.1. The next Eastern Conference team in terms of percentage of chance to make the playoffs chance for the New York Islanders. 7.9. Yeah. Um, The East is pretty set, which means theoretically you have eight teams in the East who know they're not going to make the playoffs by the time the uh, the 21st rolls around. Wait, Philadelphia, Philadelphia, the Flyers are still using, still chanting that mantra from dumb and dumber. So you're saying there's a chance. They have a 0.1% chance to make the playoffs. Which effectively means they need to win every game now to the end of the season. And hope, in regulation. In, and hope whoever's in seventh and eighth lose every game. Yeah, Boston and Washington probably have to lose every. almost every game at this point. Yeah. The, so 
so the East is pretty much set. And yeah, we figured as much. I mean, it's, it's nice to see the numbers, but it's not hugely surprising once you did the math. Um, the West is a little bit trickier mm -hmm. um, because, you know, points wise, Anaheim is still in it. You can make an argument that Vancouver and Winnipeg and maybe even San Jose are still in it. Mm, OK, I mean, San Jose has games in hand on everyone between them and Dallas. Dallas is currently the eighth uh, has the eighth most points in the West. Um, San Jose is currently 54 points and they are, and Dallas is the second playoff, second wild card at 61. So San Jose, you might be pushing it at seven points. Yeah. They only have a 2% chance of making the playoffs. Oh. Winnipeg has six Anaheim has 12 and a half or 12, six Vancouver is at 15, five. Um, is the West probably going to be set by the time the deadline arrives in two and a half weeks? Yeah. And if, if I, that's the case and there's legitimately half the league fully out, uh -huh. we could see movement from New Jersey, Philadelphia, Chicago. Um, we're, we're everyone insane is expecting movement out of Arizona the New York Islanders could finally push the button and go kablooey. Um, Vancouver has been talking about trading two or three of their stars for like three years. Um, not but they never, the one but that, they never do it. They can't, they, they, they can't pull the trigger because they, they fall into that, that cumulus, the, 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 the gray foggy zone of actually, are they buyers or sellers? Might be, uh, that might be slowing them down, but that's a sticky topic. Um, if I were to say to you, who has a higher percentage chance of making the playoffs, the Kings or the Capitals, who would you say? Don't think about it. Just I would say the Capitals. Yeah, but you'd, you'd be wrong. <laughs> but yeah, that's partly because the West is um, so the squishiness. The squishiness rears its ugly head. The L.A. Kings have a 95.4% chance of making the playoffs to the Capitals' 89.1. The They also have a 52.6% chance of making it out of the into the second round. <laughs> um, but it, it's it, the, the percentages are crazy looking at this sometimes. I mean, uh, theoretically, theoretically. Mm -hmm. You could actually see the Winnipeg Jets become sellers. Well, there are people talking about them selling Stastny and and who cares? About I have I haven't heard about other names. Yeah, and who's I don't know who's going to want him. But I mean, the Vegas Golden Knights went that direction once already, so I don't see it happening again. But for me, and I know this is. This is my not as objective as I prefer to be uh, self-speaking. Mm -hmm. One more run, one more chance. Blake Vancouver. Wheeler in the two C slot oh, for Boston. Bring bring Wheeler back. Bring Wheeler back. Drop in between really? Hall and Pasternak. 
Is he going to? I know this. This is always my question. Is he going to waive his no movement clause? Probably not. No. Is he going to be able to keep up with Hall and Pasternak? We uh, look. Krejci kept up with them, reasonably speaking. Wheeler well, is faster than Hall. Krejci. Maybe Hall Pasta is gonna. I, I think Pasta is a little bit quicker than both of them. But Wheeler is faster than Krejci. Yeah. And a better passer than anyone. Uh, than any center on the Bruins not named Bergeron. It would be interesting to see him back in a... Now, I don't know how the cap construction would work because he does make some money. Mm-hmm. If they... I don't know if you could get the... get the team... Uh, get the Jets to keep a couple of million. Because if you could get them to keep two million for the next two years... And you can get Bergeron re-signed for somewhere in the ballpark that he's making. You have the chance, not just this year, but next year and the year after to go at it. You have two really solid first lines. Not a first line and a second line. Two solid first lines. They'd have to swallow. They'd have to swallow at least. Two million. Two million. Bring it down to six and a quarter. You think you think swallowing twenty five percent of the salary if they could if they could retain twenty five percent you'd be okay? Uh, not even a full twenty five percent. I mean, I think it's I think two million for out of that is more like eighteen percent, nineteen percent. Please okay. don't make me do the math. Um, but I would love that. Like, if you're asking me for a veteran who. I would love to see win the Stanley Cup, who has never done it. Dude. There's a couple of other guys I like, but you know you're not going to have issues with him as a personality. Um, although it really might be fun. Uh, the other option is where he does play right wing. Mm-hmm. Put him on Bergeron's line. And make Bergeron not the largest player on his line, as he has been for more than half of his career. And I, I I like where you're going, but I think that he's the, more valuable. At I think the hole in two C is, is way more important, much more important than making him the biggest player on Bergeron's line. I, I like the protection idea, but no, not even and just he, protection, but just well. More puck protection than physical protection. They I mean, Blake Wheeler will drop the gloves, but he's not. He's hardly an enforcer. Yeah, but you're not going to put an enforcer on the top line anyway. He's that being said, he just he needs to be two C. He, he putting him on the first line is as much as it would benefit him points wise. You need him in the middle, and it would be so much fun. Because the other part is, like David Krejci, he's a right shot center. Mm -hmm. And that's going to benefit Hall, would benefit Pasternak. And I think he's at least as fast as Hall is these days. Yeah. Um, So if that could be made to happen, I will drive to Winnipeg and help him pack (laughs) and move his backside down here. Not that I expect it to happen, but an earth-shattering kaboom for the Winnipeg Jets. Winnipeg is another one. They're in that 
we don't know what to gray area. Yeah. Like, like Vancouver, we don't know what to do. That's why Vancouver doesn't make the deals because they're always in that murky. uh, If we give up, we're giving up. We don't want to look like we're giving up. We'd, we don't want oh wait everybody's made their deals and the deadline's over now we're hosed again for another season yeah the thing with them after you've got kyle connor Mm -hmm. who i think is who is who is a solid player yeah you've got pierre luc dubois who had that ridiculous playoff run and has retreated yes um Although he's definitely doing better this year, 40 points and 52 with 21 of them goals. Uh, when you look at their roster, their forward depth is all significantly older. Like of the guys who you count on, it's 35 year old Blake Wheeler, 28 mm-hmm. year old Mark Shifley, 36 year old Paul Stasny, and everyone else is either those two guys I first mentioned or meh. They need, they, they're going to need to infuse some depth into the system. Like if you could get Blake Wheeler for the rest of this year, two more years, have them retain two, uh, two million for each of the two seasons. Mm-hmm. And you have to give up not one of your top three prospects and a first round pick and a roster player. I'm okay with that. All right. I, I don't see it happening. No, I don't because see I don't it think happening. Sweeney has <clears throat> the uh, intestinal fortitude to make the play. I don't, um, think intest- I don't think intestinal is the part of the body you wanted to say, but okay, I'll let it go. Back to Sweeney's. Um, <laughs> posted a poll a couple of days back. Is extending or replacing Patrice Bergeron the most important thing Don Sweeney can do before the end of the season? Well, they haven't done anything yet. Wait, 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 wait. That trade for Mike Callahan that completely reset their prospect system. Oh, in okay. fact, their what entire roster is he, wasn't is- wasn't a thing. We, yeah, I'm we shocked. Mike Callahan. Mike Michael Remind, Callahan reminds me of the How movie Tommy Boy. So familiar with the Hall of Famer to be. We already I, have I, one of those on the roster. Thank you very yes, much. Yes, and I know, and Mr. Charles McAvoy is is certainly someone to be venerated. Okay. So, so why, if this Callahan is so good, why am I not seeing his name? Uh, in in for the starting lineups tonight because they want to, they don't want uh, the other teams to scout him. So they're just ah. going to bring him up uh, before the playoffs, throw him in the lineup and it's going to terrify the other team into surrendering. And, you know, just, oh, okay. just, just literally, you know, declaring that they're not going to play the series, just forfeiting everything. It's true. It's true. Okay. So back to the question. Um, yeah. Twenty-one point four percent of voters said no, and I would love to hear what they think is the most important thing that Don Sweeney could do <laughs> before the end of the season. <laughs> like, 
not to belittle them, they may actually have something that I didn't think of. I yes, know, I unless they're thinking trade deadline, but because um, that would be the most important thing he could do before the end of the season would be to, or it could be considered important since it's before the end of the season as well. So it could be trade deadline. Yes, um, maybe it's maybe it's finally have the earth chattering kaboom here. And are we ready for that? I don't know that our farm. I don't know that our farm system is ready for that, and I don't know if Bruins fans are, are would even accept it. Okay, if you could blow up the roster, and you actually somehow found a way to do it, mm-hmm. and stay over the cap floor, yeah, and somehow manage to find dance partners to take Bergeron, Marchand. Pasternak and Hall, mm-hmm. which would be only about 20, we'll call it 27 million in cap space. Okay. Are we talking six, seven, maybe eight first round picks in return? Assuming you could get the four of them to waive their no movement clauses. But Patrice Bergeron, you're going to get at least one and a prospect or a pick. Okay. David Pasternak has another season and is all of 25 years old. You're probably not dealing him, but okay. Assume assume we're trading him. You're probably getting two first-round picks and a prospect and maybe a roster player. Yeah. And I think that's a minimum because that's less than you got for the delicate and broken Rick Nash. You're not getting prospects? Uh, Well, two first-round picks probably erases the prospects, but... Or more than one of the prospects. Brad Marchand, despite the fact that certain, okay, many teams and players hate him. You're going to tell me that team, you're going to tell me the teams wouldn't love to have them on him on their roster. He Come has on. the best contract in the bleeding league as far as points per dollar yeah. um, from a top line so player. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't care how many teams dislike get, him. The minute he's on their team, they're going to love him. So if don't you give me can't that get. As a general manager, if you can't get the equivalent of, and my first choice, three first-round picks, a roster player under 25, a an A prospect where he has, and, and that's as a minimum, where he has three full seasons left at that ridiculous six and a, $6.1 million, you, that, that alone is a, fail, a permanent fail as a general manager. Now, Taylor Hall might be the hardest move at this dollar amount. He's older than Pasternak, and he's not been as productive as the other guys. And he's also shown that in certain environments, he's not going to be productive. But assume you're assume you have a really good center, a good passing center for him to play with. Um, um, okay, assume you're the Anaheim Ducks. And you want to pick him up because you want him to play with Troy Terry and um, for the next couple of years. A first, a second, and an A prospect? Because mm-hmm. he's got three more years on his contract at $6 million. How many? That's, we're talking, as I said, like eight first round picks. Six or seven 
prospects and three to four roster players, that's a hard reset of your team really fast. Okay. Is but it going to happen? Here's the yeah no, no go ahead no even if one. it were to happen I wouldn't want them to do it for one reason you don't want to give up pasta no it has nothing to do with what I'm giving up the one reason why I wouldn't want to do it is because I have not seen one single shred or piece of evidence that tells me that. Sweeneyus and upper management would know what to do with those number, all those number one draft picks. Wait, wait, wait. You're not going to insist that just because they have drafted 21 players in the last four drafts <laughs> who have accumulated a total of 0.0 NHL like way, games. You like the way I segued that? Mm-hmm. Into you're not going to insinuate that that makes them incompetent to actually draft in the future, too. I'm not sure I'm insinuating more as actually saying it. What is it you're I saying again, just, just for the record? I'm saying I don't trust them to use those draft picks. You can trade Pasternak and Bergeron and Marshan and Taylor Hall and whoever else and get eight number one draft picks. And you know what? I don't trust upper management to make the right picks. Well, there's evidence number one. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I don't. I don't know if you're doing that to to have my back or or, or if you're whispering it because you don't want to get caught up in the wave. But I don't trust them. I'm sorry. There is no evidence that they can take those picks and turn them into at least. If you're going to get eight, you need to get at least two home run hits. If you're off getting of those eight picks. first round picks, you need three players. Who are going to be first line? We're going to be contributing seventeen and a half minutes a night. Yes, as forwards and twenty-two as defensemen. And I don't, I don't know that I they can do. I don't trust Sweeney. I don't trust Neely. Therefore, I don't, I don't want it to happen. Um, and, and yes, then there's the evidence of. <clears throat> 21 picks in four seasons have played a total of zero NHL games. 0.0. Get it right. Oh, 0.0. Yes. Yes. 0.0. Did you know that once again, Canada is beating uh, the U.S. in hockey coverage? Thank you, NHL Network. Is that a fair assessment, though? I mean, Canada is like where hockey was born, created, invented, whatever you want to call it. I mean, they have our NHL network seems to not somehow actually show NHL games, so I'm not surprised that this time I'm not actually talking about the NHL. Oh, okay. I'm talking about the PHF. Oh. TSN broadcasts not streams, broadcasts, PHF games. Nice. So if you have the TSN app, if you live in Canada, or you play games with your with your VPNs and make it look like you're in Canada, <laughs> um, shh, don't tell anyone I said that because it would be very wrong. 
We're not advocating for this. <laughs> no, very, very wrong. Very wrong. Very, very wrong. You can, in fact, watch any uh, PHF games um, for the rest of the season, though. It is just streaming. And when I say just, I mean you're going to need to use the app. Um, March 6th, Connecticut Whale uh, at the Minnesota Whitecaps. March 12th, Minnesota Whitecaps at the Metropolitan Riveters. And if you haven't seen the new Metropolitan Riveters, Rose, uh, Rosie the Riveter jersey, uh, double thumbs up and a triple stick tap to it. Nice. March 12th also, um, depending on where you are, uh, Buffalo Buttes at Connecticut Whale. And then March 13th, Buffalo Buttes at Connecticut Whale. Again. Um, you now have no excuse back back. for not finding the games unless you're not in Canada. Yes, because if you're in America and you actually want coverage of the PHF. At best, you can stream it. Yes. And um, I actually, actually don't have anywhere to put it. Uh, you or actually any, had I, a tweet hockey uh, as well. We've got some. Yeah, I found a couple of interesting tweets. One of them being <clears throat> the U.S. Canada women's gold medal hockey game on NBC averaged 3.54 million viewers. Sounds like a lot. It is a lot. That's more viewers than any NHL game this season. Not PHF, NHL game. Second That's, most watched hockey game in the United States since 2019. This was the women's gold medal game, not the men's, the women's gold medal game. There is clearly interest in women's hockey. Take these numbers, get them a contract on a network to broadcast their games. I mean, it's not like the season is 82 games long. It's not as long as the men's season. I understand that. Yep. Get them a contract. Get them on TV. And it, there you know what? There are interest. so many networks, so many networks that cover sports at least part time. There's no excuse for it not happening. That's, These are high quality games. They're at least the quality of college hockey. And no. you get more opportunities to advertise in them because it's not college hockey. The one comment, and, and, and I don't, you know, reading comments, whatever, you know, whether you believe you should or shouldn't. The one thing I forgot about, but it's pointed out in the comment, the game was on at 11 o'clock p.m. on the East Coast. Wait, wait, if wait. That so game, 11 if, p.m. Eastern time. And still had three and a half million viewers, which is more than NHL, any NHL game. Second most watched hockey game in the U.S. since 2019. And we're beaten over the head with matinees all summer long or all early season just to get more viewers and more kids to the games. It was at 11 p.m. If that game was on in prime time. If that was on prime time, it probably would have cracked five. <laughs> but hey, Gary Bettman didn't want to send the NHL to the Olympics, and that's why they didn't go. It, spoiler, it wasn't actually COVID. Yeah. Um, we covered Jack Johnson. You had that Jason Spezza tweet. Jason Spezza. Now, Jason Spezza is 
playing what up in Toronto, if I'm not mistaken. Is it Toronto? Irrelevant. Keep going. Uh, classy move. <clears throat> there, yeah, he's playing for Toronto. They were in Vancouver, and, and just a quick quote: When I was suspended, he stayed and watched me for like an hour after practice as a fan that was watching Jason Spezza at the UBC, and this was back in December. I'm I'm going to assume to 2021. He doesn't say what year, but it makes sense. He asked me for a stick, but because I was suspended, I didn't bring very many. I said, if you come back tomorrow, I'll give you a stick. Cue COVID outbreak, so he couldn't come back. Showed up at a game, and this was, what, a week ago? Yeah, So we're talking a couple of months. A minimum of a couple of months, unless it was December 2020, then it was over a year. Either way, we're still talking a length of time. Showed up at the game. How many fans do you think Jason Spezza has laid his eyes on in his long career? Exactly. Uh, Thousands? Hundreds? He showed up at the game when I recognized him. When I recognized him, it was a no-brainer to get him a stick. So he recognizes this guy after, whether it's two months or a year and two months or whatever, he recognizes this kid and gives him the stick. I mean, 1,225 NHL regular season games, 92 postseason games, 21 World Junior U20 games. Who knows? It has to be close to 300 uh, OHL games. And he recognizes this one kid from months back through all of the COVID fog that has muddled people's brains for months mm-hmm. and months and months. I, you got to like it. it. This is, again, one of those stories the NHL should be all over and putting up everywhere. You know who put this out, though? It wasn't the NHL. It was Hockey Night in Canada. <sighs> Honestly, it, it, I don't know... How? Okay, if the NHL marketed itself as well as the NFL with all of these good guy stories um, and heroic stories, just I mean, we mentioned what three or four of them in oh, the yeah. last ten minute in the last show in this show. Yeah, they they'd have forty they'd have forty NHL teams across the two countries by now. And at least number two in North America and in, in U.S. sports. But they have consistently been unable to market themselves my entire lifetime. Yeah. And that predates the original 32 era. Yes, it does. I, it, it's, it's sad because... They should be all over this. Instead, you got Hockey Night in Canada putting it out there, and you got which is uh, great for the people who actually have access to Hockey Night in Canada. Spoiler: It's mostly Canadians. Mm, yes, this is true. And that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, boys and girls, undeclared and undecideds, is where we're going to leave you. Have a wonderful night, a wonderful week. Share the show with your friends, family, coworkers, random people you meet on the street. Um, 
and uh, drop us a drop us a message with anything you want us to talk about in hockey, and we'll bring it up uh, most likely. Have a great week. We'll be back.